All right, you may be seated. Good things, good things. That uh, baby bottle drive, they'll be out there in the foyer. If you got any questions, grab one of those and help out. I think it's, uh, I think it's nice timing, given the heartbeat bill passing, don't you think? I was reading an article the other day. There are some people that think that if enough states do this, and a lot of other states are following suit, that Roe v. Wade could be on the ropes one of these days soon. That would be, that would be a good thing. Amen. All right. Yeah, little babies should be born, not murdered. Amen. Well, that just seems like common sense to me. I don't hear any choice in all of that. I just hear uh, life or death. And God didn't give us that prerogative. That's his business, amen? When we do it, it's murder. <clears throat> so, okay. Uh, there's a little something in your bulletin uh, written to the nursery workers. What a great group of gals. I'm looking at this list of workers that are right now taking care of our little children. And uh, it's funny, under, underneath... Underneath my office in the morning when the kids start coming in, there's a nursery there. And, and if they're all happy, I don't hear anything. But if they start crying, I, I start hearing it. And my wife's sitting there, and I'm always going, be happy, be happy. And she was telling me, she said, the way it works is all the kids can be just fine. And then one kid just gets this look on his face. And starts looking around like, I know something is wrong. And then he starts crying. And then all the rest of them that were just fine up to that point, look at him. And they go, well, he's crying. There's got to be something wrong. And so they all start crying. You know, it doesn't change much even when we become adults, does it? <laughs> I mean, people are that way, aren't they? You know, everything's great, everybody's fine, and then all of a sudden someone goes, hey, did you know? And it's like, huh? You know, and then pretty soon, just like the baby's crying, it just kind of spreads. It's funny, isn't it? But anyways, we really appreciate our nursery worker ladies. We've got a gift for you over at the nursery. Uh, Sister Sarah Thomas or Kathy Huddleston can help you out with that, and it's just uh, one little way of of our saying thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. Uh, the ladies get together here Thursday. Uh, just a couple things I would like to let you know. Come on up, Carol. Come on up, Carol. I, I, I said I would tell you all this stuff and she can just come up here and be sweet for a minute. Um, but uh, the seating will be spread out uh, for the dinner out in the gym. It's not a mother-daughter thing, so you don't have to be paired up with somebody. And even if you want to look at it that way, everybody's a daughter, right? Except the guys. <laughs> All right. And uh, this is catered, so that's why we need you to get a ticket. And uh, we don't mind doing it for our ladies. We love our ladies, and we want to be a blessing to them. But uh, be sure if you take a ticket, you do come. It'll be Thursday night. And uh, honey, you want to say something? Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to encourage you to come. I think you'll have a great time.
and I know we have a lot of new people in the church. It's a great time to get to know people and just have fellowship in a very um, just relaxed way. And the dinner's going to be great. The people we have catering it always do a good job, so you'll really enjoy the dinner. And we've got a great presentation in the auditorium later that I think you'll really enjoy. And even your little girls down to five years old, I think, will like it. So anyway, um, the sign-up's in the hall, and I sure would like to see you there. Amen. All right. A couple other things real quick. I was reading an article the other day. Uh, one of these moms that's all jazzed up on uh, global warming. The, you know, I, people talk about doomsday. And they'll accuse Bible-believing Christians of having a doomsday attitude. Have you really thought through some of the things they're saying? And this, this woman was trying to make a case for her case. And she's talking about how her nine-year-old daughter wakes up every morning all upset. And, and, and her saying is, the earth is on fire and we're all going to die. And, 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 you know, the mother says to this crowd of people she's trying to get all jacked up about um, global warming, which, by the way, if you really read it critically, it's junk science. And it's a religion is what it is. But, uh, you know, so she said, I had to ask my nine-year-old, how does that make you feel? Lady, that's a stupid question. No nine-year-old needs to be running around thinking the earth's going to burn up and she's going to die. It's not true. But it's a bunch of hysteria. I guess uh, they rolled out Greta Thunberg years ago, and I guess she's 18 now, and she's still chewing everybody out about global warming. But, uh, uh, folks, it's, it's a religion is what it is. And... Here's the craziest thing about it. Even if our country flogs itself into complete green submission, whatever that might amount to, you know, all of us are either driving a, an electric car, and I don't have anything against electric cars. In fact, electric cars are pretty fast, so well, that's one thing they got going for them. Uh, you know, but even if everybody's driving an electric car or a Fred Flintstone car, If we did everything they all think we should do, China's not going along with the program. India's not going along with the program. All those developing, China's a developing country. They've stolen every, uh, every trade secret known to man. They're, they're, they're fully developed. They're not going along with all this. Even our, uh, who's our environmental czar? The guy with six houses and four airplanes. Uh, Kerry, yeah. He even admits it. He, he admits that it won't make, it really won't make any difference as far as the temperature of the earth. But we're going we're gonna to just, you know, totally trash the whole country over it. And uh, you want to know the truth of the matter, I put a book in the bookstore written by a couple of climatologists a few years ago, and 
And uh, they got the charts, and they lay it out. It, it has to do with sun activity, folks. Sunspots and solar storms has more to do with the Earth's temperature than anything else, including ice ages and things like that. And the name of the book is Unstoppable Global Warming. And I'm not trying to make a tempest in a teapot, but they are. They are, and you're supposed to run around worrying about this and, and uh, flogging yourself because you drive a fossil fuel burning car or you breathe or some other terrible thing that you're doing. And it's just crazy. It's a religion. A couple weeks ago in our creation moments, and I really think you should read these in the bulletin. They're, they're excellent. But a couple weeks ago in our creation moments, uh, the guy talked about the universal seven-day week. Did you ever stop and think about that one? Throughout the world... And throughout all of history, man has run off of a seven-day week. Where did he get that? Where did he get that? Why is that? Well, we read the book of Genesis, we know. First couple chapters, it's right there for us. But uh, it, it's, it's universal across the board. All civilizations and throughout time, that seven-day cycle and God tells us all about it in the book of Genesis. Isn't God's word wonderful? Amen. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Not going to be real long this morning. Of course, you've heard preachers tell that lie before. <laughs> but I don't uh, intend to be uh, too long. If I do a little bit of coughing, please bear with me. Um, uh, this thing is resolving, and it's just a little something, you know, a little souvenir that COVID left me, and a lot of people have that. I go into, I was telling everybody Wednesday night, I think it was, I go in to get my chest x-ray, and, and I'm sitting there with my mask on, and the lady asked me about 10 questions, and I have to lie on eight of them. <laughs> have you had a cough? Mm-mm. Have you lost your sense of smell? No, it smells great in here. <laughs> I haven't smelled anything since August. Yeah, it, it just go down the list. How else am I going to get my x-ray? And I don't, I don't have COVID. I don't have a fever. I don't have anything, but it's, it's just kind of funny. So we're doing fine. We're doing good. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're winding up this chapter, and uh, what a great book this has been. What a wonderful church. What a wonderful example to us. So many things we've learned. And uh, we pick up the narrative in verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. Um, we're not going to do that, by the way. <laughs> okay? So we might be disobedient, but uh, I'll, I'll explain to you my thinking on that one. You ever just see a verse in the Bible and go, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'll explain to you why. I think we all understand why, but we'll talk to you about that. Verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Father, thanks for all the good things we've experienced together this morning, the singing, the fellowship, and uh, just some good ministries, some good things happening, and uh, especially saving the lives of, of, of innocent children, Lord, that should be given a chance to live. Father, we ask that as we go into the Word now, uh, that you'd help uh, me to say the things that are necessary and uh, just pass on by the other side with the things that are not. And help us all to receive what we need this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I encourage you to be here tonight at 545. Brother Doty, <coughs> excuse me, is going to preach to us. And I know he'll have something good for us. All right, verse 23. Uh, we already looked at this verse, but let's do some quick review. Notice you have a spirit and a soul and a body. By the way, when we talk about these three things, the trichotomy of man, we always talk about body, soul, and spirit. It just shows you how man looks at it. We, we look at body first, then soul and spirit. And God says spirit first, then soul, and then body. <coughs> and then notice that <coughs> we have three parts. <coughs> so we are a trichotomy, just as God is a trinity. And that's part of the image of God. And um, when... When man sinned against God in the book of Genesis, he lost, he lost part of that, that righteousness that he had and that relationship he had with God, but we still, main, we still maintain that part of it. We, we are a trichotomy made, made in the image of God. And he says that, that, that he said, I pray God your whole spirit and uh, soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember... Each of these chapters, every chapter in the book of 1 Thessalonians ends with a reference to the return of Christ. And I think that's an encouraging thing because as Christians, we should have a focus on that. We really should. Uh, I remember when I first got saved back in the early 70s, it just seemed to me, and maybe it was my little perspective and way of looking at things, but it just seemed that Christians were more excited about Jesus coming back. Any of you remember those days? Any of you remember those days? It just seemed that people were excited about it. Hal Lindsey wrote his book, Late Great Planet Earth. It became a number one uh, bestseller, New York Times. Lost people were reading stuff about Bible prophecy and eschatology, you know, the, the rapture and the seven-year tribulation period and the second advent. And the Arab oil embargo hit, and there were those long lines, and people couldn't get gasoline. They didn't know if they'd get to work the next day and stuff like that. It was just, it was just interesting times, but it just seemed that Christians uh, were a little more focused on the idea that Jesus is coming back. I'm afraid we've lost some of that, and we need to recapture that and realize what the Bible says. It, it's, it's all over the Word of God. And folks, that'll keep your hope up. Uh, staring at the political scene isn't going to keep your hope up. CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and whoever else isn't going to keep your hope up. Uh, talk radio isn't going to do it either. Uh, you got to look to the Word of God. you got to look to God's promises and realize that no matter how crazy it gets, how crazy it gets, like I just referenced, people telling their kids, the earth is burning up and we're all going to be dead in a few years. They, they've been saying that on and off for 25 years. 
Where's the apology for being wrong? Where's the apology for being stupid? It never comes. But you talk about upsetting children. We got this lockdown. Kids are committing suicide at a ridiculous rate. And, and, then, we're, and, then, we're, and then we're telling them nonsense like that? Uh, folks, we live in a world that's coming unhinged. It's off the tracks. And you want to keep your hope up, just remember something. Christ is coming back someday. He's coming back to take the church out of the world, and then seven years later, he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords to run this world. Okay? I mean, he's, and he's not going to care about any of the political parties. He's not going to care what the, the news media has to say about it or the left or, anything, or the right or anybody else. It's going to be a benevolent monarchy, but he's going to rule it with a rod of iron, the Bible says, as king of kings and lord of lords. Folks, that's something to look forward to. That is something to look forward to. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Now, folks... You look at verse 23, the very first part of it. The very God of peace sanctify you. Sanctification is one of the most misunderstood subjects in all of the Bible. And it's because people don't understand the three tenses of sanctification. The three tenses of sanctification is when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you, you, are, you are separated and in Christ and, and you are sanctified positionally in Jesus Christ, and that's a done deal. Nothing can take that from you. Okay? So positionally, you're sanctified. Now, on a day-to-day basis, we realize we have to apply the means that God has given us to, to walk in a sinful world without acting, acting out and being sinful ourselves. Prayer and the Word of God and fellowship and service, and we can go on and on and on. And, and, that's, and that's present sanctification. And uh, over here, sanctification here is being saved from the, the eternal penalty of sin. And here, uh, present sanctification day by day, on a day by day basis, is being saved from the, the daily power of sin. And God has given us means whereby we can do that. And then in the future, one of these days, we're going to be separated or sanctified from the very presence of sin. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a day when not only is there nothing around me that would entice me to sin, nothing I'd have to watch out for by way of temptation, but nothing inside of me that will respond to it. Won't that be great? I mean, you won't even have to guard your thoughts anymore. Uh, so, so notice verse 24. I, I want you to focus on that this morning. And if you don't get anything else, let's just, just understand this one thing. Faithful is he that calleth you. Faithful is God, who also will what? Do it. Okay? Now, folks, there are active aspects of sanctification, no question about it. Uh, if you read your Bible on a daily basis, you have a much better chance of getting through the day in a sanctified manner. Why is that? You'll, you'll have that Bible in your head, in your eyes, and in your heart throughout the day. 
if you pray regularly, your, your, your prayer life is going to go a long way to keeping you in, in a right relationship with the Lord. Sanctification. And, and there's numerous other things we could talk about. And all these things are active. These are things we can do. But you want to know something? There's things that God does that we have no say. And they're all part of the program. And can I say to you this morning, some of them are really happy things. They're good things. The Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance. I, I, hope, you're, I hope you cultivate a thankful spirit in your heart about the blessings of God. Don't, don't be a typical American. Don't be a typical American Christian. Where we think that, you know, if we haven't had every last prayer we've ever prayed answered to a T, and every last want that we've ever wanted given to us, uh, that somehow God has, has, has failed us. God has been good to all of us, folks. And so, and so a, a lot of this business of God sanctifying us and drawing us closer to him has to do with his blessings and the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance but some of it also has to do with things that come into our lives. And, and by the way, whether you were saved or lost, you would have some bad things come into your life. You know why that is? Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, the ground became cursed. Our bodies are cursed. We live in a cursed world, folks. And, and we're not going to get out of here unscathed. It can be physical. Um, it can be mental. It can be mental. I saw a guy with a t-shirt one time that said, I'm not suffering from mental illness. I'm rather enjoying it. <laughs> now, that sounds funny, but you want to know something? It's not true. People with mental illness don't enjoy it. It's, it's, it's torment. Some people have physical ailments. Some people have mental ailments. Some people, it's, 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 it's relationships that you know, should be a delight and in, in a, in a wonderful thing in their lives, and those things have gone sour. Uh, some, it's, it's financial. Just, just making ends meet every month is just a, a big deal, and, and on and on we could go. But we, we, live, we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a sin-cursed world, and so things are going to happen to us just because of that fact, just because of the gene pool. But you want to know something? All of us know as believers, if you've been saved any length of time, God has allowed something in your life. I don't know what it is. For Paul, it was a thorn in the flesh. Uh, he asked the Lord three times to remove it, and the Lord said no. And believe me, when Paul asked, it wasn't one of these little mealtime prayers. You know, 15 and a half seconds because I'm hungry. I think these were all-night prayer vigils. I think these were times of fasting for days where Paul asked God to remove this thorn in the flesh, and every indication is it was bad eyesight. For Paul, it was that. It, it, and, and you look at these things, and you come to the realization that, that God will allow something to get dialed into your life that you can't handle unless you get completely to the end of yourself. And that's the reality of it. I, I have to say, until God allowed some of these things in my life, 
about 20 years ago, I don't really think I had ever really come to the end of myself other than when I got saved. But there were some things the Lord did in my life through these things, and I call them the passive aspects of, of sanctification. Keep your hand here, and let me show you this in John chapter 15. I, I know that's not what we want to hear, I, and, and, and honestly, it's not what I want to say. I, I, I would rather get up here this morning and tell you that, you know, if you walk with God, you're going to always have a brand new car and a brand new house and perfect health and you know, everybody's going to like you and all that business, but it, it's, it's just not true. And, and there's times in our lives where, besides what I was talking about, just, you know, being part of the gene pool and, and, and fallen man and Adam's fallen uh, race, there, there, there are some things we, we look at and we go, this is spiritual. There's a spiritual component to this, and God is allowing this. God is allowing this in my life. And uh, let me show this to you here. Uh, John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, okay, so you're going along as a Christian, and you start bearing fruit, and you think, well, great. And then notice what it says. He what? Purgeth it. And what does that mean? That means he cuts it back. He cuts it back. He starts, he starts cutting back on the branches. He starts taking some of the fruit. And, and you know, you're sitting there going, Lord, what are you doing? Man, things are going great here. And, uh, you know, what's, what's going on here? How come, how come I'm getting cut back here? How come I'm, you know, if you lop those branches off, I, I can't bear as much fruit and what are you doing? And, and by the way, that was one of Paul's arguments. That's one of Paul's arguments. You know, Lord, I can serve you better if you just take away this infirmity. And, uh, but notice what he says here. He purgeth it that it may what? Bring forth, what's the next stage? More fruit. More fruit. Why is he doing that? The same reason someone that has a fruit tree or a, or a vine bearing some sort of fruit, cuts it back. It's, you can't just let it get gangly and heavy. And, and what's going to happen? Well, there's going to be wind and a, and a storm and, or maybe snow or rain and wind, and, and, and it, it'll destroy that tree. It'll destroy that vine. And God knows how to help us bear more fruit. Fruit, more fruit. And then watch this now. He says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 3, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except that it abide in the vine. So no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth me and I in him, the same bringeth forth, what's the next stage? Much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So you have fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But along the way, if you're like me, you only tend to see what's right in front of you. And you're saying, Lord, what, what is this? What are you doing? What are you, why are you allowing this? Because that's what he does. Uh, folks, God doesn't give people cancer, okay? I've heard people say, well, God gave me cancer. God didn't give you cancer. Cancer is part of the fall, Okay? I've heard people say, well, God gave me heart problems. No, heart problems are part of the fall. 
Now, because we're believers and we know that God can do anything, we, we just believe that, you know, God should protect us from everything. And when he doesn't, you know, that's when we tend to have it out with him. But the reality of it is, sometimes he allows things in our lives. And, and folks, if you've had the experience, and I'm sure most of you have, in some way, manner, shape, or form, it's just one of those things that you would have never thought of. You, you wouldn't have chosen and it was tailor-made to drive you closer to the Lord because getting closer to the Lord is all you could do. And, and I'm sure in, in a group this size this morning or, or out there looking in on the live stream, I am talking to somebody that's going through that right now. Something has come into your life, God has allowed it to happen, and you're just, you're just dying to get rid of this thing. Uh, you're, pl- you're praying, you're pleading, you're making deals with God, you're, you're trying everything you know, and at some point, at some point, you may just have to say, okay, Lord, all right, Lord, by your grace, I will live with this. I will live with this. Now, the a- active aspects of growth, that's, that's us That's us pulling the trigger. But the passive aspects, it's really simple. We either go along with it and do what Paul did in the end and said, okay, (laughs) and I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, over there in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 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 12 or 13 there, he just said, you know what, Lord, if this is going to make me better, okay, then I'll, I'll glory in my infirmities. I'll glory in my infirmities. I'll, I'll embrace these things. I'll embrace these things for your glory and your honor. I'll just tell you an odd thing. And, and every time I say it, it's, to me it still sounds odd. But I'm not making this up. I was thinking back about 15 years ago when I was about five years into my little... Um, leukemia experience, and I, I remember uh, thinking to myself, okay, Lord, if you, could, if you would come and just take this from me, just, just take it, and I knew he wasn't gonna. It's not, not even the nature of it. Uh, I have people come up to me all the time. I'm gonna pray God takes it away. I'm fine, I tell them pray, go ahead. I hope God answers your prayer. <laughs> I'm not counting on it, because <laughs> I've already gotten along with God about what I think he's doing, but if... You know more than I do, and you can get your prayer answered. Praise the Lord. It won't break my heart. But I remember thinking to myself, if I, could, if I could be rid of this thing, how neat that would be. And then another thought occurred to me. If I'm rid of it, do I lose all the lessons I learned? Do I lose what this thing has done to mold me for the better? And here's the oddest thing. I, I, you know, and it's really easy for me to be brave right now because the leukemia is behaving itself. Um, I had to say no. I'd say, Lord, no, don't take it. That's how much, just in the first five years, the Lord showed me things I needed. You know what, folks? I hate to say it. God's not going to give you a choice. You know what we'd choose? 
we choose a big broken leg with a big cast and, and hobble around on that thing for a little while. And at least that's what I would choose because I know it's going to heal eventually. And everybody can see it for what it is. And it'll be done. What would you choose? What would you choose? God say, I have to give you a trial to mold you. What would you choose? You know what you would choose? You wouldn't choose something that would mold you. You would choose something you can handle in the power of your flesh. You would do the exact same thing I would do. And that's why God chooses for us. So back to the passive aspects of growth. What's, what's our choices? Well, we can get all mad at God. We can insist that he does this or that. And then if he doesn't do it, we get all bitter. And you know what happens to people when, that, when, when, when they do that. Or we can just say, okay, Lord. All right. And by the grace of God, we can, with the Apostle Paul, embrace it, realizing God's going to do some of his greatest work in our lives and some of the greatest fruit bearing after those purgings. Those purgings we would not choose. So let's go back to, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll finish this up here. But I'm looking at this, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. I believe I'm talking to believers this morning. You're conscious, conscientious. You want to grow. You want to be a, a, a sanctified Christian. You want to stand out for the Lord. You don't want to blend in with the world. And so you do what you can. And can I say to you this morning that God will do the rest. He will do the rest. You look at some besetting sin in your life, and chances are you've given into that thing so many times you think it owns you. Can I say to you this morning, if you'll proceed down a path of victory, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He can give you the victory. No matter how many times you've crumpled in front of this giant, God can give you the victory. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Paul goes on to say in verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Uh, Paul never hesitated to ask for prayer. And folks, we all need it. Uh, take your Bibles and go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And this would almost seem like an odd prayer on the part of the Apostle Paul, given his boldness and, and courage that, that seemed almost natural to him. But take a look at verse uh, 18. <coughs> he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. By the way, that watching in connection with prayer is the anticipation of the answer. You're not just praying and then forgetting about it. You're, you're praying and saying, okay, Lord, I know that answer's coming. I'm, I'm waiting. And that's what he's talking about there. 
And look what he says here in verse 19. And for me, he's asking for prayer for himself, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what Paul asked for prayer for? That he might be a bold witness. Paul was a bold witness. But you want to know something? That didn't come naturally. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't care how gregarious you are. When you go to open your mouth for Jesus Christ, the devil knows how to shut you down. And I don't care how timid you naturally are. I don't care if your personality is such that, you know, you'd rather walk a mile to avoid meeting somebody. If you'll rely upon the Lord, he can give you the boldness to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. It's not a question of personality. It's, it's none of that. It's a spiritual battle. Do you ever wonder about this? You, I mean, you can walk up to a complete stranger, talk about the weather. Chances are he'll be glad to talk to you about it. Maybe even talk about politics. <laughs> Look out on that one. Or any, any other 10 other subjects. And, and normally you can get conversation going with somebody. But bring up Jesus Christ crucified. Bring up the matter of their eternal soul and when they're gonna, where they're going to spend eternity and just watch that just sort of uneasiness come right into the thing. And you know what that is? That's the God of this world, Satan, blinding the minds of them which believe not. And, and when you're witnessing to somebody for Christ, you are dangerous as far as the devil's concerned. You're the most dangerous thing going on. And he, he, will, he will fight you on that. So I just say that for this reason. You, you need to pray. We need to pray for each other. Paul sought prayer. And uh, it's just, again, like I said, Paul was a bold witness. He, even on a natural level, even when he was lost, he was bold against the truth. But when it comes to this business of serving the Lord and coming up against the powers of darkness, um, it, that's a whole different aspect of things. We need, we need prayer. We need to pray for each other. I think your brother Sean Holes, I don't know, is he here uh, this morning? Okay. Preaching on those college campuses. And God's given him a gift. I, I've seen video and pictures of him. And I've been there where there's, you know, a couple hundred kids listening to him for an hour, two hours, three hours. You want to stay three hours today? That's a gift. But you know, we need to pray for them. Because there's opposition that comes with that. I've gotten some of the phone calls. And you know where most of the opposition comes from? Professing Christians in so-called campus ministries that are doing nothing. They're doing nothing. And uh, they get stirred up in all the wrong ways when somebody gives those kids the gospel. It's a shame. But we need to pray for him. We need to pray for our other missionaries. We need to pray for our evangelists. We need to pray for each other. And then verse 25. Uh, brethren, pray for us. Verse 26. Uh, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. No. <laughs> so, so what is that? Okay. 
it's, uh, for one thing, it's Mediterranean. I'm half Italian, uh, Greeks, Spanish, Italian, uh, a lot of the uh, Arab nations, the people there. I remember growing up when we, and it wasn't this way at the Polish side of the family. You know, it was a, it was a handshake and a hiya and whatever and a punch on the shoulder. But with the Italian side of the family, I remember uncles and, and grandfathers and stuff. And they would, they would grab you by the shoulders and they'd go cheek to cheek with you. And then kiss sort of out into space, so to speak. Most of the time. <laughs> Once in a while, you'd get one right there. Um, but that's just, it, it, was, uh, it was a greeting. And to this day in the Mediterranean, it's, it's still, it still, um, still takes place. Um, there was a church in, in, in the state of Kansas some years ago that decided to uh, implement this. So when they did their handshaking, they didn't do that. They did their kissing. And it kind of went south pretty fast. So I kind of kept an eye on that and looked at it and I said, hmm, okay, I'll learn from their mistake. So now, you know, if I get to heaven and find out I was disobedient, then, uh, then I will repent. But uh, don't come up to me after the service and say, I want to be really biblical and, and we need to do this because my answer is no. <laughs> Okay, real simple. Verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Aren't you glad you got a Bible? These guys had to wait around. Hey, when's Paul's letter going to get to us? And you know what? They didn't have printing presses. They didn't have copying machines. So you showed up at the service and you waited as the pastor read Paul's letter to you. And aren't you glad you got a Bible this morning? You can open any time you want and read it. And then look at verse 28, how every one of Paul's epistles ends, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And folks, that's where it all starts. None of us would be here this morning but for the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Don't ever forget about the importance of grace. Um, if you've been saved, I'm in, my, I'm in my fifth decade of being a Christian. I mean, I can see 50 years of being saved from where I'm standing. And you know what? I'm no more worthy today to be saved than I was two minutes before I got saved. What I've done or haven't done or seen or experienced or lived has nothing to do with it has the grace of God in Jesus Christ is why I'm saved here this morning. And don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. Don't try to earn righteousness with God. Serve him out of gratitude, yes. But don't try to earn righteousness with God. It's given to you in Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this great book of 1 Thessalonians. We thank you for the 
the chapter-by-chapter chapter reminder that Jesus is coming back. And we received one again this morning. And Lord, help us to keep, keep an eye on, 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 that, on that affair right there, Lord. The fact that Christ is coming. May that stir hope in our hearts. May that be at, at the forefront of our minds as we go through each day. And Father, some days are good days and some days are, frankly, dreary days. But that hope can keep us buoyed up on a constant basis. Help us, Lord, to have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Realizing, Lord, that at any time Christ could part the clouds, take us home. And within seven years, Lord, he'd be King of kings and Lord of lords. He'd be the benevolent monarch of this entire world. We look forward to that day when, when the Lamb of God is honored the way he should be honored. Until that time, Lord, help us to lift him up. Help us to live for him. And help us to be a testimony and a witness for him. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take our hymnals and turn to number 627. 627, what a day that will be.